as we look in our scripture, Paul is writing to kind of handle uh, a position that the church had taken. Uh, they were kind of deciding who to follow and, and kind of <clears throat> what group to listen to, what group not to listen to. And uh, Paul is going to speak to them in a way that uh, explains that by now they should really be growing <clears throat> in Christ and understanding their role and positions uh, as the church. And so we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> and I know you all have been standing for a while, but as always, I'm going to ask you to stand one more time as we look at to the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. And I, brothers and sisters, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but only as fleshly, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet ready or able to consume it. But even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like ordinary people? For when one person says, I am with Paul, and another I am with Apollos, are you not ordinary people? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But God who causes the growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are one. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me like a wise master builder. I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each person must be careful how he builds on it. Or how he is building on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet only so as through fire. Father, this morning, we recognize that there is only one that matters, and that is you. We also recognize that you call us to certain tasks. Yet, Father, there are those who have not grown for those there are those who still have not matured in their faith and and so they still need to be in the nursery of God Lord today may we understand that we are called to be fellow workers called to grow called to mature called to be about the father's business Father I pray that you would Touch our hearts today. Our hearts are deceitful. 
God, we need you to touch us. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. First, we recognize here in verse 1, um, one of the most um, recognized things in Scripture, verse 1 and 2, we often hear preachers talk about milk and solid, not solid food, so on and so forth. But, the, but if you're not careful, you will miss something in what Paul writes. He starts out by addressing the church as what? His brother. They are his family. They are believers. So Paul is addressing the church that he has already formally spoken to, that he has already addressed in the past, and now he's writing this letter because of what he's heard. And he still recognizes them in the faith. He recognizes them as his brothers and sisters. The, the, the issue becomes for us, we focus more on that fleshly part, the milk and the drink, but, but let's not skip over the fact that Paul does recognize this church as a fellow heir of the promise of God. But he, he then goes on to say, but, but here's a concern. There are still those in the flesh, those that are still infants in Christ. And he says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to consume it. And he says, but even now you are not yet able. And he says, here's why, because there is still much flesh among you. The world still has a hold on you. Regeneration has taken place. Born again has happened, but yet the influence of the world is still great. <clears throat> this morning, I asked our youth, I said, tell me what, is, what it is that your generation is struggling with so bad. And, and, and two or three of them said, just fitting in, doing what everybody else is doing, the, the, the push to, to get you to do what everybody else has accepted, what everybody else sees as being cool, so on and so forth. I didn't say it quite as well as they did this morning, but you get the point. They, they said we're struggling with just, we believe in God, but yet there's the world out there and the world is calling us. The world is there and it's bright and it's beautiful and it's mysterious and, 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 and that world is calling to us. And I believe that that's what Paul is saying here about the church is, Yes, they were believers, but their eyes were still out upon the rest of the world. Their eyes were still out wanting to be consumers of what the world had to offer. And that is why he says, listen, brothers and sisters, he's, he's telling them, listen, I recognize you in the faith, but I also recognize your immaturity. I recognize the fact that you cannot let go of the things of this world. For you are still fleshly. He says, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are, are you not walking like ordinary people? Let me tell you what we find in the world today. We find people so self-absorbed that volunteering is not something that anybody wants to do. Or if they do volunteer, they want so much recognition for what they have done that we don't recognize their heart of volunteering. We just recognize their heart of wanting to be patted on the back. And, and that bleeds over into the church. Years ago, when I first came to this church, 18 years ago, wow, that's amazing. Next month will be 18 years. But I remember 18 years ago, 
how many people came up to help us move in. We brought our, our mobile home from East Texas, and we got met by a whole group of people. There were 33 folks at this, that, that were there that first Sunday. But folks, out of those 33, I guarantee you 20 of them were here to welcome us on the day that we just pulled in the trailer. There were men that, that had gotten underneath to help me. Roger Binion crawled up underneath to help me take care of the sewer. Actually, the truth is I just had to get out of the way, right? Roger handled all the details. He handled all the hard stuff because th- yesterday was proof that you do not want me working on something. Okay, my wife says, honey, do me a favor. I want you to put this together, this shelf together that goes underneath the sink, Right? It can't be hard, folks. It, it's not hard at all. So I put it together, slapped everything on there. I looked at my wife and I said, here, sweetie, it is ready to go. I put it up underneath the sink and in a few minutes, I'm sitting there watching television because, you know, <clears throat> I've done my job and uh, <clears throat> I'm waiting on her to put, put everything that she needs to on that shelf. She says, sweetie, I don't even think she said sweetie. <laughs> <clears throat> She said, hey, honey, come here, Tom, quick, come look at this. But before I could walk in there, she'd already taken a picture of it and sent it to people, (laughs) right? So I got it basically right, but apparently the both ends are supposed to face the same direction. Mine were like this. I had rubber stoppers pointing up and the handle pointing down and, 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 but, but don't worry, don't worry, I fixed it under her great direction. Um, I got it fixed. So anybody else wants some tips on how to put stuff together, you just call me. And by the way, after I fixed it, she walks into the, to the living room and she says, Hey, Tom, real quick question. Is there supposed to be one bolt left over? And I said, apparently so. And she said, well, I'm just proud of you because there's only one thing left over this time, right? So anyway... <clears throat> We've all got things to do. We've all got, we all have tasks and we all have stuff we've got to, we got to figure out. But we're people that have jobs to do, people that have stuff to do. We all have a job. We all have a task. But we're so caught up in what the rest of the world wants from us that we can't focus on how to do the task that God has given us to do. That's the church. All those people were underneath there. There was Roger helping me. Guy putting my electrical in. Others had brought us food. Others had just been there just to meet us and greet us. And I bet there were 20 folks. And and I'm telling you that because out of those 33 people and those 20 people being there, a church of 180 to 200, there are times that we have the same five or six people show up to do everything. And it's not just our church, it's every church is like this. This, this idea of, of a task, this idea of a belonging to a place has suddenly left us in this generation. All of a sudden we, we no longer have ownership of, of our church. We no longer have ownership of what's happening at our church. Instead, we want a group of five to, or six to come up here on this stage and we want them to sing to us whenever your job is to sing to God. We, we come and we want our pastor to entertain us, to, to give us words of, of wisdom and to make us laugh. But when we walk out the door, the last thing we want to have to do is remember the sermon. 
I shared with the kids this morning that whenever I was their age, grocery stores didn't open up until after church was out. Wednesday nights, you didn't have an activity because everybody went to church. The world that we live in is changing. And the church itself has changed as well. Church is no longer that central point where people come together to hear from God. Instead, we decide that, well, I want to listen to John MacArthur. I want to listen to Joe Lostein. I want to listen to Paul Washer. I want to listen to so-and-so. These are the people that I pay attention to. We no longer are responsible for our own personal growth. And this is where Paul is addressing. And he's like, listen, you're still babes. You have to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. You have to start looking into the word itself for yourself and growing. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 through 14 says, Concerning him we have much to say, and it is difficult to explain since you have become poor listeners. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unacquainted with the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. Paul is addressing his brothers and sisters, but he is saying, you have taken a poor attitude of personal holiness. And that's a call that we all have. We all have a call to, to, to desire and to seek holiness because we belong to God. One of the biggest issues that we have right now within the Southern Baptist Convention and it's sad, it's not just in our convention, but it's all over. It is, it is, we have teachings that we're bringing in from others who have influenced us. And instead of looking at what scripture says, we have begun to stake our claim on this person's name and that person's name. And instead of looking at the Bible as the authority, we are now looking at those who are in leadership as the authority. Listen to me, don't ever look at me as the authority. I am the one who delivers the word of God, but the authority is in Christ alone. There is a point where you and I must grow. We must become responsible, even if it doesn't feel good. There are times where God has called us to do things that aren't always fun. But we're called to do them. But we're so busy chasing after what the rest of the world wants thinking that that is what we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have the best marriage. We're supposed to have the, the, the nicest stuff. We're supposed to have all these different things. And, and we get in our minds, if we see it within the church, we get in our minds, well, if I go to that church over there, they have what I want. They have what I desire. Well, they may have all those things, but are they preaching truth? Are they preaching gospel? People who live on milk have no idea when a person is giving them something good to eat or whether they're giving them filth and trash because they have no discerner. They can't discern between good and not good. Then Paul enters into something else. Paul says this in verse 4, for when one person says, I am with Paul and another, I am with Apollos. He says, are you not ordinary people? Here's what we're seeing in our world today. 
we are seeing a division, not within Scripture, but within teachers. Well, I believe in this teacher. I believe in that teacher. What about just believing in the Word of God? What about just going back to the Bible and actually reading it for yourself? There are some of you, I guarantee you, you have read so many Christian books, but you've never read through the Bible. So you have influence from all these different authors, but yet you have no biblical influence because you have no clue what the Bible actually says. Well, so-and-so says this and -and so-and-so says that, but what does the Bible itself say? What is happening in Paul's day is happening in our day. We have such influence, even at our church. A lot of you will bring me books. You need to read this person. This person is great. And then as I read this person, I have to then bust your bubble to say, this isn't good theology. Why the good theology? Well, have you ever read the Bible? There's a battle. But listen to what Paul says in verse 5. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? He says, servants, servants, through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. Notice, Paul never says, I reached this many, I reached that many. A lot of the people that I know in our world today that are, that are pastors and evangelists, they always want you to know how many people were saved at their event. The only person that knows if they were really saved or not is God and that person. But we love our numbers. Paul is saying, listen, all we were were servants through whom you believed. In other words, we were the ones who gave you the word. God did the work, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. And he says this, I planted, Apollos watered. I planted, and Apollos watered. All of us should have a part in this. Not all of us have the same gifts. Be honest. Who in here thinks they can sing. Just raise your hand. If you think you can sing, Patty, we figured. We knew it. All right. Yes, Levi, we have heard you, buddy. We have heard you. Right. Um, There are some in this room who think, man, I can sing. Okay. How many of you sing in the shower? Okay. How many of y'all don't want to admit it, but you really do? Come on. Be honest. Some of y'all say, there we go. Some of y'all sing in the shower. And that's exactly where you need to sing, right? I mean, that is it. Now, at church, we don't care. We want everybody to, to sing out loud and to praise the Lord. And, and I never will forget, years ago, there was a couple that came to our church, and they sat right behind Connie and Weldon. And Weldon loved for them to sit back there because Weldon was not afraid to sing loud because nobody could hear him. And I enjoyed listening to that woman sing because she sang with all of her heart. And Weldon enjoyed it because he could then sing with all of his heart. But my hope is is that now that she's gone, y'all can all hear Weldon still sing down here at the front. We we have this idea that, that because you have a gift, that's your job totally alone. You're the preacher. It's your job to save the masses. It's not my job to save the masses. It's my job to influence with the gospel. But God's the one who gives the increase. God's the one who takes care of it. But all of us are called to, to do something. We're all called to do something in within the church, within the community. One of the reasons that I call upon this church to be an influence is because that's what God called us to be, an influence. He called us to, to be out and about in the world. That's why you should run for 
If you're a teenager, student council. If you're a teenager, you should start an organization, a Christian organization. If there's not one already at your school, you should be involved in something at your, at your school. If you're an adult, you should run for school board. You should run for mayor. You should run for something because God has called us to be an influence. Like, can you be a Christian and be a politician? It's hard, but yes, you can be both. You really can. And you can because that's what God called us to do. Each one has a job. For, for, for Paul, it was planning. For Apollos, it was watering. And, and they understood that they had a part. But by the way, who's more important, the planner or the waterer? Well, let's, let's keep reading and we'll, we'll, we'll find out. He says again, I planted in verse 6, Apollos watered, but God was the one causing the growth. He was the one who gave the increase. So let me, let me help you out. In other words, we're not important. We're... <laughs> We're not important. And I know that some of us, we think we have to be important before we involve ourselves. You ever met anybody that if they don't have a role in it, if they don't have a, a title, they don't want to be a part of something? That's it. I'm not going to be a part. I'm done. That's what happened with the revival that we did, the community-wide revival. We had a lot of churches represented at the initial meeting, the first meeting. They were all excited. Oh, yeah, we can't wait to have our name in lights. And I said, nobody's name's going to be in lights. What do you mean? We don't have our, we, we can't put our name on some marquee. We can't, we can't put our name down that we supported such and such. I said, nope, we're not doing that. The next meeting we had was about 10% of those original churches. And you've heard me say this. After it was all said and done, there were like four churches total that supported that whole week. Y'all, there's over 100 churches in Waller County. That's kind of poor percentage. What's happened, we have begun to think that if we don't get recognition, if we don't have people laud over us, oh, look what they've done. No, 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 listen. You and I are called to just do what God's called us to do and trust him to do the rest. We have a real problem here because we struggle. Verse 7 says, So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Paul says, listen, I'm nobody. I'm nobody. I'm just a part. I'm just, I'm just thankful that I get to give words, that I get to give encouragement, that I get to write letters, even from prison. Because you see, it is God who causes the growth. That's the important thing. Now, verse 8 and 9, we're going to talk about this. Okay? Verse 8 says, now the one who plants and the one who waters are one. In other words, you don't have a division here. Paul's not more important than Apollos. Your task is not more important than somebody else's task within the church. Whatever you do for the Lord should be done with all your might. Amen? Here's one of the things that's always bothered me. You walk into a room that, that you know you made the mess in. You know you made the mess. You come back a few days later and the mess is still there and you're mad at whoever's supposed to clean the church. I have a question. 
Who created the mess? Clean it up. Take responsibility. Look at your life. Figure it out. I need to take responsibility for what I've done. And if we can figure this out, if we can figure out that nobody is more important than the other, we'll all do our part. We'll all have something here at this church. We can look back and go and say, wow, God did great things even though I was probably in the way. Now, the one who plants and the one who waters are one. You're one body. You're one person, folks. We are the church. And yet there are divisions. Even at Pine Island, there are divisions. These things shouldn't happen. He says, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Each one of us has a job to do. Each one of us has been called. This new year, if you're on a committee, you've committed yourself to a group of people to look at what God has for you. If you're on a ministerial committee, you have committed yourself to labor on behalf of the church. You are not working for yourself. You're not working for those that are on the committee. You are working for the glory of God to help build his church. That is why you're there. You take responsibility. You work hard. You see to it that everything that is done is done with great attitude and you do it with all your might so that at the end of the day, at the end of the year of 2021 and 2022, you can look back and say, I know that things are better than when I found them. That's how the church has to look at it. That's how the church has to work. And if we do it, we will all be rewarded according to our own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. He is saying that Apollos and I, we are the same. Quit looking and trying to divide up who we are. We are one person. We are workers for God. My prayer would be that if there's what, what little bit of division that we find here, even at Pine Island, that we could recognize there's no need to be divided. Everybody is working for the glory of God. And division comes when we worry about what happens for me. Paul is very clear. He's saying this isn't about us. This is about God, God who gives the increase, God who makes it happen. We're just thankful that God uses us. How many of you will admit that you probably get in the way of God more than you actually help God? Yeah. That's just a reality. Thus, God gets the glory. But together we can... We accomplish the work of the church whenever we set aside our differences and we come together and recognize, just like Paul and Apollos, we are one, one body, one group of people, one people laboring for the cause of Christ. Influencing. Now, we go on and we read here in verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Now, Paul here is not acting as though he is there to build. He, he's saying, listen, I'm the, I'm the engineer here. God has called me to be the engineer. I have set everything in place. I have set you up to be successful. I have given you the meat. I've given you the word of God. The foundation is Christ. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. But now you must take responsibility and you must recognize the needs of the church and the needs of your area. And you begin to meet those. So here's Paul. He's laid it out. He set it all up. He says another one will build on it. But each person must be careful how he builds. 
right? Every person is responsible. Now we're talking even more so about the preacher. Every pastor must preach the truth. What is he building with? What is he using? And so he goes on and he says this. Verse 11 says, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, there are a lot of churches that are building, they're growing, they're, 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 they're massive and they're huge and their numbers are, are just crazy. But yet if you go and actually listen to the sermons, the sermons are more people friendly. They're more about, um, the, the, what's happening in our world today instead of what the Bible actually speaks to. They're, they're people friendly. They're seeker friendly. And, and I don't ever want to be a seeker friendly church. And some of you are like, well, why not? Folks, I just want to be a church that is presenting the gospel and I let God take care of the rest. And Paul is saying, we have done this. We have said it. We have made it happen with the gospel, with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He says now in verse 12, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, by the way, those were used for ornamental things. There are a lot of churches that are very pretty. Their sermons are pretty, the words are pretty, but there's no, there's no lives that are changed. Everything is beautiful and, 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 if you, and, and ornate, but there's nothing that's ever heavy spoken from the pulpit. And then there's the wood, the hair, the straw. And what happens to wood, hair, straw whenever fire touches it? It's gone. It's gone. So we can lay the foundation at Pine Island on feeling good about ourselves and, and having a positive look at ourselves. And, and I could stand today and tell you God will never give you more than you can handle, which we know is a lie because that's nowhere in Scripture. Or I could tell you just to believe in yourself and you can do all things. That's baloney. How many of you realize that you have nothing to believe in without Christ? Some of y'all tried that, didn't you? And you searched for years wondering why. You couldn't find joy because there's no joy within ourselves. Verse 13 says, each one's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each one's work. As a pastor, God literally will take every word that I have preached from this pulpit and he will put it through fire. And those things that were gospel-centered will last. Everything else will be burned. Nothing else will matter. But the same thing for you in your personal life. God has called you to be a godly parent. God has called you to be a godly boss. God has called you to be a godly man or a godly woman or a godly teenager. Teenagers, you're not out of this. You don't get a pass because you are between the ages of 12 to 18. You too are responsible for your own spiritual growth. You have to come to that place of saying, I want to grow. And if anyone that is in their 20s looks down on our youth because, well, the youth of today are stupid. You were stupid in your day. We were all that way as teenagers. We all thought we were smarter than our parents. We all thought we had everything figured out, but now that we become adults, what's the most famous words of a young adult? I don't like adulting. Yeah. Wait till you have kids and they're throwing a fit at two o'clock in the morning 
and your husband's sound asleep. You're really not going to like adulting at that point. We've all got to grow. We all have to be responsible. We all doesn't matter where you are. If you are able, even a child, even a child, if they are born again, they have been born of the spirit and they should be growing in Christ. Each one's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each one's work. And if anyone's work with which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. Even in the, the light of this scripture, even though pastors are going to mess up, even though you and I are going to mess up, listen to me. Salvation is not ours. It is of God. Our works will be tested, but God's salvation is eternal. And that's good news, by the way. You say, well, Brother Tom, do you believe that I can lose my salvation? It's not yours to lose. God is the one who gives it. It is God who does the work. It is God who gives the increase. It is God who saves. If it were up to me and it was my salvation, yeah, I would lose it. Because I can't even handle my own day-to-day stuff. But because I belong to God, there are going to be a lot of things in my life that are going to burn up, but one thing that will not will be my salvation. Folks, if that's not where you are today with your salvation, you need to be praying, God, reveal to me where I stand with you. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet only so as through fire. You and I have a responsibility to follow God. You and I have a responsibility to sustain what God is doing. We have a a job. We, We have a job to influence the world around us. We have a job to pray. We have a job to to show up and and be a part of what's happening at the church. And even if you think your job is just small, you still need to show up. You still got to do your part. And so many people ask, "Well, well, why am I not doing this? And why was I not included in that? It's amazing to me. People that want to serve make it known that they want to serve. Others are comfortable just sitting in the back doing nothing. And then there are those who don't want to do anything but gripe about everything that's being done. Let me help you with this. Quit making church about you and I. Let's make church about the foundation of Jesus Christ. And let's decide today as Pine Island. And by the way, any of you that are visiting, you're going, oh, no, Pine Island, they're broken. Every church I know is broken. Okay? I don't know a church yet that's perfect. That's why we got to be rescued out of this place and go to heaven. None of us get a vote. That's what's wrong. Down here, we all get a say. Seriously, you think about that. That's what's wrong in this world. Everybody gets a say. In heaven, there is nobody but God. That's all that matters. 
Christ has already done the work. Everything's final. And we get to heaven and we find out what we're going to do. But here on this earth, as long as we're here, there's a job to do. And every one of us has to step up and do it. Quit thinking that yours is more important or that yours isn't important enough. I'm going to share something with you this morning. And I'm not going to tell you who it is because I still don't have permission from him to do it. But I want to share something with you. Every Sunday morning, a gentleman comes to this church. About 6.30. And he walks around the grounds of this church. And he picks up trash. He has a blower. He blows off the sidewalks. He gets everything out. He makes sure that the flags are where they're supposed to be. If, if, we're, if we need to have them down, he has them down. If they're supposed to be up, they're up. He's looking at every little detail. He's walking around. He even makes sure that the dog has water in the water bowl. But nobody knows that he does except for me, maybe one or two other people. And he's perfectly fine with that. But if I have a need that I know that he can meet, I'm telling you right now, that need is met the day I ask it. You may not know. You might say to me, well, all I know how to do is wipe walls. There's walls that need to be wiped in this church. We got paling over there next door. I'll give you some spray. Get after it. You say, well, all I know how to do is kill gophers. Praise God. Come on. Right? That's all I know how to do. But there's something else you can do. And you know how to do it. You can pray. You can pray and you can see God on behalf of this church. You can be a light by simply being the person God has called you to be when you walk out the doors of this church. Aren't you thankful this morning that we all have a task and nobody's is greater than the other because we've all been called to do the same. We're all one body, one group. And when we recognize that, our church can grow in the truth of the gospel. And as we grow in the truth of the gospel, the numbers will be added. And as numbers are added, you, you'll get the most famous saying of any growing church. I remember when this church was small. I used to like it back then. I don't know nobody. We'll learn to be friendly, right? Go say hi to people. Speak to folks. We want God to grow. We want God to bring the increase. But that happens, listen, when we are faithful. Be faithful to what God has called you to do. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you that you have called us to a much greater purpose than just being a member of a church. You've called us through the gospel. That's what Paul preached. That's the foundation that he laid. There were others who wanted to argue that Paul wasn't an apostle. Paul didn't care. Let them say whatever they wanted to say. He had been with Christ on the road to Damascus. And now he was teaching them how to lay the foundation of the gospel. He wasn't worried about what people thought. All he cared about is am I doing what God has called me to do? And if that could become the attitude of every person in this room, wow, 
what a beautiful, beautiful light we would shine in a very dark, dark world. Lord, today, today, take these broken hearts and use them for your glory. We are broken people, God. And the fact that you'd be willing to use broken people is the best news that I've heard today. And some of us, we may have talents that others don't have, but that doesn't mean that our talents are greater than others. It just means that we have different jobs to do. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for calling us out of the wickedness of this world to follow you and to lay a foundation for a lost and dying world. That foundation is Jesus Christ. That is one job we all can do. I don't have to be a preacher to preach the gospel. I preach it at my home and I preach it at my job. I preach it at my school. Lord, today challenge us to become one family, united in the work of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.